Welcome to Digitizing B2B with Jari Carter, the e-commerce podcast on digital transformation for B2B businesses. I'm your host, Jari Carter, and on today's episode, we'll be speaking with Justin King, the president of B2X Partners. He currently uses his expertise to consult and coach companies on how to build a successful e-commerce business. On today's episode, we'll be covering the first step to digital transformation, inspiring your team to follow the vision. Let's begin. Welcome to Digitizing B2B with Jari Carter. I'm here today with the one, the only Justin King, who is the <laughs> president of uh, B2X Partners. Uh, Justin, welcome to the podcast today. I'm really excited to talk to you. I've been really particularly looking forward to this one, uh, just given you know who you are in the industry and, and kind of what you are doing uh, for the B2B e-commerce world right now. Um, so welcome, Justin. Happy to have you. Oh, very much appreciate it. And, and ditto. I mean, I think what Oro um, and you are doing in the market right now in this world of B2B e-commerce for distributors and manufacturers is pretty cool. So I'm looking forward to this conversation. Yeah, great. Well, I'm, I am too. And, and um, you know, you and I kind of batted around a couple of topics. And um, the one that I think you rightly, you know, wanted to kind of settle on is change management and managing change for for companies that are going through digital transformation and B2B e-commerce. Now, this is such an important topic. But before we get to it, you know, tell us about you, your background. How did you get to this spot? Yeah, it's, I mean, it's, it's kind of an interesting, it's kind of an interesting story. So um, I, I was part of the original team that built a company called Brulant. Um, that eventually we were acquired by Rosetta. And then as Rosetta, we got acquired by Publicis. And we were one of the largest kind of IBM WebSphere commerce shops in the, in the U.S., really focused on retail e-commerce. And I was leading the B2B practice. Um, this was back in like 2006, 2007. And, and I was watching all these uh, speakers um, kind of around the world uh, I love going to conferences and listening to speakers, and I love speaking, and I really thought I was good at speaking, or I thought I was good at speaking, and I really wanted to be a speaker, so I looked at these guys and said, well, how do these guys become speakers? And as I reverse engineered them, I realized that all of them became experts at some kind of topic, and they took that topic, became experts, they started blogging on that topic back in 2006, 2007. And they use that to kind of build their audience, um, leverage into speaking and their speaking leveraging back into their company. And uh, as I reverse engineered that, I thought, man, that's exactly what I want to do. And I was kind of at this intersection of uh, manufacturers and distributors and e-commerce, although we weren't doing a whole lot of e-commerce. We were doing more kind of just websites and more, more brochureware for these guys. And I looked at my expertise and said, I, that's what I want to do. I want to be a speaker, but man, I've got a one big problem. That is I'm not an expert at anything like these guys are. Um, so I took these two loves of kind of supply chain and ERP systems and then e-commerce and I melded them together. And I started probably one of the first ever blogs um, on the internet related to e-commerce and B2B companies. And I called that e-commerce and B2B.com because I'm a clever person. 
Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> it's like the name of my pod- podcast, Digit- Digitizing B2B with Jari. Right, right, right. <laughs> we should let some more creative people um, into our mix. So e-commerce and B2B.com, the brilliant URL that I picked um, that was available. And uh, I started writing on it. And as I started writing on it, I was actually working with manufacturing distributors. We just weren't doing any e-commerce. In fact, most of them were saying uh, they just didn't have the e-commerce wasn't a thing for them. And I, I just uh, kept working with them and started writing. And I started actually creating a point of view. Like, and the point of view actually started to make sense. Um, I started actually thinking through the same problems that my customers were thinking through, even though they weren't doing anything about it yet. And I started actually come up with a decent point of view about how this whole B2B commerce thing was going to shape up. In fact, back in 2007, I said it for the first time and it's used all the time now is that the difference between B2B and B2C is that in B2B, the people that are coming to our websites are not there shopping for shoes. Uh, They don't come to our website and say, oh, that looks so cute. I'm going to buy it. No, they're there because it's their job to be there. They have to be on our websites. So if it's their job to be there, then the customer experience isn't about helping someone find something in a shopping sense. It's about helping buyers just do their job. And if we help them do their job, these customers will come back. And if they come back, we know they're going to spend more. And that's where I created that first. I mean, I think back in 2007, 2008 was when I kind of coined that. And uh, well, so what's kind of fascinating about that is... um, for five years, I wrote on my blog from 2006 to 2011, 2012, I wrote on my blog and literally nobody came to my website. Five years, I woke up from 5.30 a.m. I wrote from 5.30 a.m. to 7. Nobody came to my website. Oh, I mean, I'm exaggerating. I mean, like my mom and my dad, they came. To my <laughs> <brother>. <laughs> I, I was, I, I remember, I remember like, you know, how just, you know, how disappointing it is to look at real time analytics. You're like, there are four people on my website and then see Akron, Ohio, Akron, Ohio, Akron, it's Ohio, from, Akron, Ohio. Like, Dad, mom, what are you doing? <laughs> no, I mean, I'm exaggerating a little bit, but, but, but really I'm this whole idea of e-commerce and B2B companies and distribution and manufacturing hadn't hit. Um, hit ground. And so I eventually left Rosetta after we were bought by Publicis and I went to Indeca. Um, and Indeca it really is the one that, that invented um, on-site search and navigation, which is a huge topic in B2B. And they were bringing hybrids to North America and they needed someone with B2B chops to be an evangelist for this. And so I created Hybris's go-to-market strategy for B2B and we sold some massive accounts um, and then Granger went live on their, you know, kind of, they publicly went live with their website. And all of a sudden, everybody in the industry um, started typing into Google B2B e-commerce. And lo and behold, the only blog, um, the only website out there that was talking about B2B e-commerce was my site. And it really got flooded. Um, and it started a journey for me of really kind of doubling down and niching down into this world of e-commerce specifically inside of distribution and also a little bit with manufacturers and how to help them through this. We were eventually acquired by Oracle um, and I was the uh, chief evangelist for e-commerce at at Oracle Corporation where really I got to spend three years traveling across the world uh, speaking to large audiences about e-commerce, hone my craft as, as a communicator 
and and also uh, my expertise in this area um, of e-commerce, this niche area of e-commerce. So it's uh, it's a it's a it's kind of interesting, Jerry, because it's like this. When I actually think back to 2006, and then those times in 2010, 2011, where I would just give up and then try again, give up and try again, and then it blew up and. And by the time it blew up, I actually had some thoughts and they might not be very good thoughts, but I have some thoughts and a perspective and a point of view on this area that, that at least uh, uh, I'm able to talk about with passion in, in, in situations like this. When, when was, when was, just curious, when was that, that it kind of overnight blew up? What year was that? 2011, 2012. Really. Yeah. Um, yeah that, it wasn't, that, wasn't before then. It was right then. Yeah. Yeah. I, I, it does seem like that was when the world started talking about B2B e-commerce. Now, fast forward to 2019, uh, six, seven years later, now you've become a real icon in, in the B2B e-commerce world. I mean, I've seen you speak at, at several conferences. I, I think you're setting a lot of the conversation trends for what's happening in this market. I, I'm hearing you talk now more recently about change management and, and how critical that is. This, this is a big topic. You know, I see this as a big topic for you. I see it as a big topic for our customers. Why, what, you know, why, why is this something that you're focusing on right now? I, I think so many people and so many companies, you know, they're trying to do the right things. Um, but the hardest thing for them to do is change. I mean, when you, when you look at a traditional distributor or a traditional manufacturer, the things that made them good at what they are today, so everything that made them good at what they are today, the exact same things that make them bad at innovation and digital. You know, it's the, it's the distributor's innovation dilemma, um, if you've read that book. Um, and so the, the things that made them good, I mean, like, the, the people and the relationships and the sticky relationships they built over, you know, decades with their customers, that's made them good. Um, the processes they have in place, the supply chain they have in place, the systems, the ERP, um, you know, they, they've helped create this distributor manufacturer that is very good at what they do today. And those same things are what make them bad at being able to innovate. I mean, anytime we try to innovate, or introduce digital inside of a legacy organization, um, the, it's just very painful because it, it's, it's, it means about moving from these processes and relationships and systems that we had in the past to something new. And, and whenever you're introducing something new and change, it's about people. And people are the hardest piece of this, right? People, getting people on board. You know, I, I, I always talk about um, how to get how to get an organization, how to really get customers to use and start getting real revenue through a system. We call that customer adoption. And the biggest way to get customer adoption is to get internal adoption. Like forget about customer adoption. You have to focus on your internal people. If you get your own internal people behind this initiative, then you'll get customer adoption. And yet that remains the hardest thing to do. The hardest thing to do is to wrap digital to wrap e-commerce into the DNA of a company. And when I, when I talk about the DNA of a company, what I mean is when you have meetings and not just executive meetings, but we have meetings that are happening around your building that people are actually bringing up the topic of digital or e-commerce and they're saying, 
hey, how will this affect digital or e-commerce? Or, or on the opposite side, how, will e how could e-commerce and digital affect what we're talking about here today? When you have people and meetings across your organization talking about digital and e-commerce that way, it started to seep its way into the DNA of your company. Um, and when it's in the DNA of the company, people start getting excited. They start talking about it. They'll start evangelizing it. They'll start selling it um, to the customers. And yet, wrapping it into the DNA of a company is the hardest thing to do. And at the heart of that is, is change management. At the heart of change management is people. It's about helping someone, an individual, change from, hey, that's not who we're going to be in the future. We've got to change to be this new type of company, this new type of company that's going to deal with the new challenges that are out there. By the way, the same challenges that every other company dealt with between 2005 and 2012 while my blog was um, miserably attended, right? Um, <laughs> every, retail, every retail company out there had to do the same thing, and we're just kind of seeing that wave seep into B2B, and we're also seeing the, the people in B2B saying, I don't know if I really believe this. I mean, I, I've actually heard people talk about the internet as if it's a fad, if it's, as if it's going away, as if it's not something, a new way of doing business, and it's just not true. So change manages the most incredible, is the most, is the most, is the biggest opportunity for any manufacturing company or distrib distributor. But yeah. It's also the hardest thing anybody can do. Yeah, it's interesting. I, you know, I just interviewed Angela Spears, who's the VP of digital for uh, animal supply company. And, and she talked about this. She talked about this as, as she viewed it as her number one job, which was sort of the change internally and the selling that she even still is, is constantly doing within the organization. You know, the companies that are doing this successfully, how, how are they doing it? You know, what, what, like when you go into a company and see that, you know, successful change management is happening, what are the ingredients there? Well, I, I think there's two kinds of change management. Uh, I'll talk about the first kind, first type first, which is kind of a radical. And then I think you actually don't mean this radical as I'm talking about. But um, the first type of change management is radical, meaning we can't actually change. We, 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 can't, we can't operate under the, the, the foundation that what we've built. So let's just take the ERP in general, right? I mean, the ERP puts such constraints on an organization because it dictates the process and flows of information and data and access and openness of, of having access to all that information. And, and yet the ERP is the lifeblood of an organization. So often companies have to say, listen, we can't actually innovate. We cannot actually innovate within the, the four walls of what we've built. The things that have made us successful today are not going to make us successful in the, in the future. So we've actually got to create something different. We've got to create a new co. We've got to create a new department that's outside the constraints that we've actually built into this company. And, and honestly, that's, that's the fastest way to do this. Take all the learnings from that, right? I mean, you're, you know, one of the guys on, that's launched on your side, uh, Jari, um, Sean McDonald. I mean, he had to leave his dad's company because his dad said, you know, people buy from people, right? And so, you know, a new company allows you to operate out those kinds of constraints. You can actually give permission inside of a company for that to be created. You know, Kellogg's did it with their Bare Naked brand. Granger's done it with Gamut and a little bit with Zorro and their others. 
um, supply houses, a plumbing outfit, um, where to, to, to really innovate and really embrace digital, uh, I think that's pretty radical. I don't think most distributors have the appetite to do that or the foresight to do that. Um, it's something I coach my distributors on every day. So I think, I think real change management inside of an organization it has to be aggressive. And, and change management, at the heart of change management is just communication, right? It's about how to communicate. Um, and the biggest areas to start is you've got to wrap your team into this project from the onset, right? Um, your steering committee, your e-commerce steering committee has to include the business. It cannot be made up of IT um, only. Um, it has to include the business. And when I talk about the business, what I really mean is it's got to include sales, because sales are the salespeople are the most resistant to this change, mainly because they believe that this change is actually going to affect them negatively. It's going to take money out of their pockets. So we've got to bring those salespeople, actually salespeople inside sales, sales leadership. We've got to get them involved in the project as early as possible. We have to start communicating the benefits. It has to be told to them seven times before they actually start to get it. It has to be done over months not weeks and not days. Sometimes it has to be done over years. Um, and we start communicating with them earlier and including their opinions uh, as early as possible. Sales, inside sales, customer service, those are the three big ones that will affect um, the change. And then identify those, identify those change agents inside the company. You're going to have people inside your company that, that are going to be, you know, they're just going to be firecrackers with new stuff, Right. They're the guys that are kind of talking about this um, outside of work. Um, they're the guys that, that get excited when you present something new in front of them. And they're like, how can I help? Um, there's going to be some people in sales that way. Some people in insights, customer service, IT, marketing, um, executive team. Bring them in, coach them, and then send them off into the organization as evangelists for what you're doing. The, 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 the last part I'll talk about, Jari, is compensation. I Part of aligning an organization to a new change that you're trying to roll out um, is aligning compensation. Aligning compensation so that a compensation is affected by how the change is rolled out. You know, one radical way I've joked about, but not really. I mean, it's actually something that some companies have actually done is they tell salespeople, listen, um, you are now going to get paid 125% for every e-commerce order that comes from one of your customers. What are we doing there? We're emphasizing first you're going to get paid. We know you're coin operated. Um, so we're going to plug in the coins to get you motivated here. Um, you're going to continue getting paid um, on those accounts. You're not going to lose those accounts to e-commerce. Um, those are going to be your accounts. And by the way, now that you're doing e-commerce orders, you can go sell and take and, and be true salespeople and do more consultative selling because you're not taking orders. Um, and then on the flip side, they say, and by the way, it's not that just that you're going to get paid 125% in e-commerce orders. We're only paying you 40%, 60%, 70% um, on non-e-commerce orders. You, you want to you motivate change inside of an organization um, in 30 days. That's how you do it. You will have every salesperson will, I mean, they might be at their sales, their customer's sites, actually keying in orders for their customer, um, but change is happening. Now, it's, it's a radical example, but the, but the whole point of that is align compensation to the change that you want to happen. Align management of business objectives. I've watched CEOs that have said, listen, my bonus 
is now predicated on how e-commerce is rolled out. I'm in this with you. That's some true leadership and leading that change along with the organization. And I think it's one of the most powerful things you can do. It's interesting you say this because I, I don't think that what you're saying is that radical. We've actually seen companies, customers do this where they've overcompensated on, uh, and I love that, that you're getting really tactical on this because I think these are the small things that actually drive huge behavior changes. I mean, compensation is, is such a huge motivator across an organization to indicate what you care about. And, you know, it's interesting that the companies that are doing this are actually seeing the quicker change results and long-term will have much better profitability and sustainability because they're actually sort of really, you know, driving, driving behavior change across, uh, across, you know, the, the organization. But I, I totally agree with you. I don't think it's that far fetched of a, of an idea. You well, know, when I was at, when I was at Oracle, Jari, um, when they wanted to emphasize or de-emphasize a product or put change in, I mean, they just aligned compensation. I mean, they, they did literally that. It would say 125%, you get paid 125% on this new product. Um, and if you sell that old product, you're only getting 40%. There wasn't a salesperson at Oracle that would sell the 40%. It wasn't worth their time anymore. It was radical change management. Um, and, I, and I think there's something to learn from that. I think, you're, I think you're absolutely right. I think it's the fastest way to get change. But, but you can't, you, you got to think it through, right? You can't have people truly gaming the system. It's got to be a mix of communication, leadership, compensation, alignment, putting a leader. Wait, and here's, here's, a, here's kind of the last one I'll tell you. You know, when, when you have a leader, an e-commerce leader, the e-commerce leader doesn't need to be a technical leader. They need to be a, an evangelist. I mean, their, their, their job is a political job, right? It's a, it's a job to bridge the gaps inside the company to, to help move the company from where it was to where it is. I mean, di, you know, digital and e-commerce, the roles there are all about change management. If you're, if you're in e-commerce or you're in digital inside of your organization, don't, I mean, you are a change agent. That's what you are. You're, you're an agent of change. You're not a technologist. And if you can hire a leader that understands that and is going to be a, an evangelist inside of your organization and a broker within the organization and a relationship builder and understand the politics um, of the organization. Those are the, those are the organizations in conjunction with the others uh, that have a ton of success. No, I, I agree with you. I, I, when we, when we talk about sort of launching this new initiative, we hear a lot of our customers say, Hey, look, you know, this is the success of this project. We think is like 80% about business process in getting that right and 20% about the technology because there's enough sort of ready technology and there's enough successful projects out there that that, that whole world to, to a large degree has been de-risked. Um, but actually getting the change and getting the business process optimized online, that's, that's where the risk of success or failure comes in. So, 100%. so, much, so much of the risk point, I think, is on this topic that you're talking about. Uh, absolutely. I mean, the, the companies that don't do it well, they hire people. I mean, I've watched multiple distributors recently hire kind of abrasive technology people. They're really good at the technology, but they don't know how to build relationships internally. So they just tick everybody off instead of being that broker within the organization. The companies that just kind of, you know, here, <laughs> actually, this is one of my favorite analogies. 
the, the, the companies that treat e-commerce as a widow, the cute widow e-commerce store, right? Even when they call it a web store, it's the cute widow web store. And they kind of pat it on his head every quarter. Oh, you brought in $100,000. We're a $400 million company, right? Every quarter, oh, congratulations, right? Um, when, when, when they set it up that way, when they call it a web store versus a strategic element um, inside their company, a strategic direction, um, an innovative direction inside their company, and then they hire in the same fashion when they bring on people that don't know how to actually institute change inside of an organization, they are just uh, destined to fail. And it happens every single day. I mean, it's really, really, I mean, when we have the academy, it's the one thing inside the academy that we teach the most is this is how you talk to your executive team. This is how you broker relationships. This is how you, you know, communicate inside of your organization. Um, it's so important. Yeah, that's really really helpful. And, and from your work in the academy, I mean, you're, you're doing so much sort of consulting on this topic. Uh, do you have a case study or a success story too, or like, and, and maybe some learnings or some learnings that you're seeing across a handful of customers that you could share with, with our audience here? So, so many yeah. or, or people that are listening are going through this for the first time and they're, you know, they want to get it right and they're earnest and trying to sort of make it work. What, what have you seen the best companies sort of do right here? So there's a, there's a, a rather, they're about, a, they're about like a $400 million plumbing, um, plumbing HVAC distributor. And when we walked inside, when we walked into the organization, they were really struggling. They were only doing one to 2% online. Uh, and they asked us like, you know, help us figure out what this is. You know, I kind of diagnosed the problem. Um, and as we looked at the organization, I mean, it became very apparent very quickly as we interviewed them, especially internally, that the guy that was running things was one of those just abrasive technology types. He was a no man. Like if you, if you, if you go and ask him something, he would say no, just like, that was just like, it was like a recording. No, can't be done. Or no, we won't do that. Or his way was better than your way. And he really turned so many people off inside of the organization they've been doing e-commerce for about four years up until that point. Um, the owner of this company um, came to me just a couple months ago and he said, you know, um, for four years, we've been doing e-commerce, really not making any progress. I mean, seeing a couple upticks, but we're still at one to 2% of revenue. We came in and said, you got to get rid of that guy and you got to hire a guy that looks like this or a woman that looks like this. Uh, and they have to be a, agent of change and an evangelist and a broker within the organization. They have to understand e-commerce, but they don't have to be a technologist um, at heart. And then, and then we laid out a plan and we, 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 we codified a strategy, right? We codified a strategy that was um, a simple strategy, a strategy that everybody could understand, not a, not a techno babble strategy. It was actually a strategy that had steps and a strategy that the executive team first could understand. And, and once they understood it, they then got on board with it and they understood each other. They started talking the same language. They brought in a new e-commerce leader that, that talked the same language with them. So they got on the same, they started using the same words with each other because of the strategy. Then they, then they communicated that strategy out to the organization and then they aligned compensation with the strategy from the executive team down to the inside salesperson. 
and and he he came to me um, just a couple months ago and said, you know, four years we were basically dead in the water, not moving anywhere. Um, nine months, in nine months we went from that to this is now part of our DNA, and that, that's a, those are words he used. This is part of our DNA, like meetings are happening and they're talking about e-commerce and our digital strategy and the digital people are talking about other areas of our business. As we meet as an executive team, we, we know what questions to ask of our executive team. Like before we didn't even know what questions to ask. We didn't even know like, what, what, what should I even ask you about the KPIs? What, what even matters? I don't even understand what those words mean. Like what does even a KPI mean? Right. Um, now, now they, now they're, the the CEO is able to ask, Hey, what, you know, what's this measurement to this month? Hey, why is it so different from last month? I remember that. And you know, what's changing and, and Hey, how are we going to tweak this to really get this? We're really seeing some momentum over here. Let's and uh tremendous, tremendous growth. They'll, they'll go from one, ten, 1% to 10% this year. Yeah. It's interesting. You talk about that. You know, that like I've heard a lot of people talk about you this way in that like when, even when you present at these conferences you really take you know the complexity and the technology of b2b e-commerce and you make it so simple that ceo of of the you know distributor in uh the midwest or or you know anywhere in the u.s uh really sort of feels really comfortable with the strategy and comfortable with what's happening and and I think sometimes us in the technology world, we get so wrapped up in, you know, the, our nomenclature and the words we use and, you know, how we talk about our product and technology that I, I think we get in this kind of bubble to where we almost can't relate. And I think this concept of making sure that the things we're talking about, especially for somebody who's driving change in an organization that they really are speaking the language of the organization more than they're speaking the language of the technology industry is yeah. so much more important. Um, you know, the words we use are, are really, really important for driving change. They are. And, and moving, you know, move, not, not massive moves inside of an organization, small moves, like knowing that you have to move the organization from A to B. Like uh, when I do, when I do strategies, one of the first things, one of my goals is I want to move this organization from doing nothing to, Hey, we got to hire a person and that person needs to look like this. Uh, and we need to fund that person enough to get them started. That, that's a huge change. And then once they have that person, we need to move them from getting a person to, okay, what does it look like as part of the organization? You know, to, this is no longer a cute widow web store. We're going to move it to something strategic those small changes um, are more important than the big changes. One thing that I do pride myself on is I do, I mean, I literally have pictures on my monitor here of there's a CEO, a CIO, and a CFO of a distributor that I have pictures on my monitor. When we wrote the book, I wrote the books to those individuals. I did not write this to an e-commerce person, right? I don't talk to an e-commerce person. I'm talking to the owners um, the executive teams of this guy. And, and you like in this, in this world, you, you just have to understand that you have to break things down and make things simpler, not more complex. While you do get kind of job security by using words that nobody understands, it doesn't actually help the organization. Yeah. And it, it doesn't serve the organization because no one right. really 
you know, no one knows what you're doing. No, I, I totally agree. Um, Justin, you know, thank you for, for spending time with me today. I, I want to wrap up and to be conscientious of, you know, sort of our half hour together. But, you know, you've left the audience with a lot to think about. Tell us what you're doing now. How can people kind of find out more about, you know, kind of what you're doing and get plugged into some of the tools that you offer? The, cool, the coolest thing we're doing right now is, you know, we, we, we were more of an advisory firm than anything. We're kind of like a mix of like Forrester plus an association, really. And, 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 and so we're trying to provide these advisory services. And the place we do that the most is through our academy. Um, it's on the b2xpartners.com website. It's a, uh, it's a you know, monthly membership. And I mean, so we have the best material up there. Like I, we, I just literally dropped in every wireframe. So we've done quite a bit of user experience design for companies. I just dropped in every wireframe we've ever created into the academy. I just dropped in all the launch materials. So every checklist that we use, SEO checklist, um, marketing checklist. Like I even, I even, I even dropped in two decks. It's an internal training. So, so how do you get internal adoption? I have actually a deck, a PowerPoint deck out there um, that's a sample for you. I have a customer training, like how do we train customers and get customers excited? I dropped that deck in there. Things that if you hired me, you know, would cost you $100,000 um, to do, I literally put them all in the academy. I mean, it's, a, it's an amazing, amazing place. We have a great community there as well. I have a ton of training videos a ton about just change management, how to select technology, um, how to launch your site, how to optimize, um, all for B2B. We don't talk about B2C um, at all. We don't, we don't use the word shopper ever. Um, in our, in our, we don't use personalization or shopper ever in our materials. Uh, that tells you we're B2B. Yeah, no, I love it. Well, well thank you so much. Um, th first of all, thanks for taking the time. I know you're incredibly busy. Thanks for being with me today. Thanks for sharing your expertise. And thanks for telling our audience where they can find out more. Justin, thank you so much for your time today. We really appreciate it. This is amazing. This is amazing. I look forward to seeing more where Aura goes um, as well in the future. I appreciate you having me on. All right. Thanks, Justin. Thanks for tuning in to today's podcast. To get the latest updates on Oro Commerce and access to the latest episodes, follow us on Twitter at Oro Commerce. Also, be sure to check us out at oroinc.com slash ecommerce dash podcast for more episodes.